I love your theme. Your theme is courage, so you can approach it in many, many ways. But I've entitled my, my, my message, Courage, a Function of the Anointing. How's that? Mm. I could have come in from James 1, verse 1, 2, 3. That would be another sermon there. I could have come in from different angles. But I want to uh, attack it and approach it from the anointing point of view. Let's read a few scriptures and go. Isaiah 10, 27 is the first scripture there. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Say amen. amen. The next scripture is First John 2, 27. It reads, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as he has taught you, you shall abide in him. Say amen. Second Samuel 2 verse 4. Then the men of Judah, talking of David here at his coronation or inauguration or ordination, the men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. Years later, we see 2 Samuel 5, verse 3, and it reads, Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and they anointed David, king of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, I find that the anointing does give courage. Last time when I was here or somewhere else, I said my first time I stood to preach. First time. Fear hit me. Courage left me. They had told me a month prior to my standing up for the first time that I was going to preach. So I wrote 42 pages of a message. Say 42. It's a dangerous message, 42. Never write 42 pages. 42 pages. Only yellow pages. Page 1 to 42. The introduction, the body, the powerful conclusion, scriptures to support it, everything. The jokes in there and so forth. The jokes I will underline, joke and joke so that I don't miss it. 42 pages, ladies and gentlemen, Bishopson. The month went on. At the end of the month, I was beginning to shift. I had taken this message, prepared it, preached to the tree that is inside my yard, preached to it, laid hands on it. It got born again. It got healed. Laid hands on it. Did everything. Spat on the tree and exercised the gift of knowledge. I see leaves falling there and so Hey, came the day, it was a Sunday, packed Sunday. I never preached, the pastor said, we have today the men of God coming to preach. Stand. He had given me an hour. Everybody stood, they clapped their hands. I knew I was in trouble the moment I climbed the pulpit. I knew it. Because I thought every eye was looking at me. I thought everybody was saying, who are you? What are you doing here? So thank God for the wooden pulpits. These are not safe for a fearful preacher. These are not good. 
So this one covered. My knees were shaking. I started my message today. I almost forgot the theme. I had to look at it again. And oh, okay. It has a message. I read scriptures. Page one. Page two. In two and a half minutes, I was reading page 42. I knew I was in trouble. I began to look for other pages as to where they had gone. <laughs> Fear will paralyze you. I was finished in between two and a half to three minutes. I was done. I tried even to think of the jokes that I had written. They couldn't come to memory. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I looked at the pastor. I knew I must finish. He said, are you done? I said, I'm done. Three minutes. Here's my problem. My wife was sitting there. She never said anything. But I could read her mind. What are you doing there? <laughs> Secondly, the devil was in my mind telling me, next time you stand here, you will preach one minute. Next time. <laughs> the third group of people was people like you, just looking and saying, what? <laughs> so I went down. But what saved the day was that man of God as I sat there. He said, you know what? You did very well. Prepare to preach in another man's time. I'm here because of that man who is an encourager. Say amen. I want to define anointing quickly. I want to give you seven definitions. If you are writing, get ready to write now. We are talking of anointing or courage as a function of the anointing. Number one, it means to overflow, especially with oil. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are anointed, there is an overflow. Say overflow. Something inside of you is so full that it begins to affect those around you. Say overflow with me. Number two, it means to be fed or to fatten spiritually. When you are anointed, your spirit man is fed. You are not thin or gaunt like a drought cow, but you are fattened in the spirit man. It means others can be sustained from the overflow that comes out of your life. Say amen. amen. Number three, it means to rub with oil in the sense of expansion and outspreading. Expansion and it means you have been taken and oil has been rubbed upon you. And therefore you have the ability to expand and outspread. Say hallelujah. Number four, it means to smear over with oil. Smear over with oil. And number five, anointing is a form of grace. Especially liquid as from the olive, which is often perfumed. That's why anointing will attract. Anointing by nature attracts. Find me a man, a woman of God, when the anointing is upon you, you attract all manner of people. The good, the bad, and the not so good. That's why they come to church, because of the anointing. But this definition is another element, the element of perfume. The anointing has a perfume in it. I didn't say uh, an insect killer, but no, a perfume. It attracts, it does not repel, it attracts, say amen. That's why every bachelor should find it easy to find their beloved or a wife. If you are finding it difficult to find a wife, get anointed. Get anointed. 
Even the one that rejected you yesterday when the anointing is upon you, or she will apply. She will write it the wrong with the old way and say, Dear Joseph, I know I rejected you last year, but I'm so sorry, Joseph. I see the anointing over your life. Please, Joseph, can, can you marry me? If you have no Lobola, I will pay for Lobola myself. Or the anointing does something. Hey. So get anointed, get anointed, get anointed. The anointing is amazing. <laughs> it will bless you and set you in places that you never dreamed you can find yourself in. You may be coming from somewhere being a chebe chebe boy, but you will stand before kings by the reason of the anointing. Say amen. So in all you're getting, ladies and gentlemen, get anointed. The anointing makes a difference. Number six. Anointing oil is a salve oil often mixed with some form of medication for healing and beautification. Anointing heals. I don't know how many pulpits I have climbed or be stood behind when I'm so weak, when I'm so tired, at times so sickly because you're moving from one place to the other, you're so tired. But when you stand here and the anointing hits, that disease leaves you. You'll find that by the time you say amen, you wonder, was I sick? Because the anointing by nature has healing properties. When the anointing begins to flow in your life, every infirmity must leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Every disease, every oppression, every demon on the inside of you must leave by the reason of the anointing. So the anointing does that. It also beautifies. Say amen. So in other words, under the anointing, there is no one who is ugly per se. Okay. That's why you will see that all these preachers, all these bishops, their wives are very pretty. They were attracted by that anointing. It is that anointing that they see and therefore they were attracted by it. Anointing beautifies. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I've never seen somebody as beautiful as you are. Even if they are a man, say, I've never seen someone as beautiful as you are. You are so, I know they don't believe it. Keep on telling them they will believe it. Keep on telling. Some of them haven't been told for years. Some of these ladies have been told for years and years. You were last told in 1955. But tell them now and say you are so beautiful. So, so, anointing beautifies. Wow. Number seven. To anoint means to make alive. To come to life. To revive spiritually. To cause to be spiritually stimulated or kindled. To cause to burn more intensely. To hasten. It also means to accelerate. It means others may have gone ahead of you. <laughs> but when the anointing kicks in, you overtake. Hey. You drive like Jehu. There is a Jehu anointing. Of you drive furiously as you get in. Because the anointing has a characteristic of acceleration. Oh, I'm here to tell somebody. You may be behind by seven years or ten years or twenty years. When that anointing begins to hit you, you will accelerate and overtake. You will accelerate and overtake. You won't remain behind anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say Amen. Wow. Anointing in the Jewish culture spoke of three things. Write these things down. It spoke of three things. Ladies and gentlemen, spiritual tasks can't be achieved without the anointing. 
One will go round and round and round and round. But when this thing called anointing hits you, hits a minister, hits a church, hits a couple, something is affected there permanently. So the anointing spoke of three things in Hebrew culture. Here's the first one. Being recognized by people of what God was doing in an individual. If God got ready to do something in an individual, he will take that person, he will take that man, that woman, and anoint them. Put his hand upon them. Whether you like them or you don't like them, you will be forced to recognize them. When God recognizes someone, you will be forced to recognize them. When God says, Bishop Musa Sono, I have set apart, whether you like him or not, you'll be forced to recognize him. Because the anointing is a way of elevating an individual from nothing to something overnight. Say amen. So when God then begins to recognize you, he anoints you in the midst of your brethren. Remember David? When Samuel went and was told, go to Jesse, among there, there is a son that you must anoint. All others that qualified in the natural passed by, except one man called David. Samuel says, is it all? The father said, oh, by the way, there's a young guy in the hills of Bethlehem. And the man of God said, we will not sit down until he comes. When he came in, the spirit of God said, arise, he is the one and anoint him. And man, this is first Samuel chapter 16, 17, you see David accelerating. Today we talk of David as the benchmark of kings because the anointing fell upon him. I don't know where you are and where you are hidden. If this anointing should locate you, it will elevate you and thrust you to the forefront. That's the power of the anointing and it will lift you up. So number one, recognition. Number two, what did it speak of? This anointing. Anointing also spoke of number two A, B, and C. It spoke of number A, two A, power. There is no anointing without power. Whenever there is an anointing, the next word is power. Say anointing and power. So these work hand in hand. To be anointing and authority. These two work hand in hand. And three, anointing and honor. I'm writing a book on honor. Honor is amazing. Honor will lift you up. You may be just a downcast. Everybody given up on you. You may have stolen. You may have done the worst, the vilest of things in your life. But when God decides, I want to honor that one. When he honors you, it doesn't matter who doesn't honor you. Oh, I predict by the spirit of God that some of you, before Jesus Christ comes back to earth again, he will honor you. He says, he who honors me, him will I honor. And when God honors you, he honors you in a big way. Say amen. So number two, anointing gives you power, authority, and honor. Say it with me. Power. Hey, what a poor class. One more time. One more time. Beautiful. One more time. So the anointing comes you to give you these three things that you so need. Power, authority, and honor. Because there are demonic entities outside there, in nations, in cities, in villages, in growth points, that will not yield until they see the anointing over your life. Remember when Jesus Christ arrived at the Gadarenes, the land of the Gadaras? 
they began to scream those demons upon that man because they saw that power over his life and it is the power that will cause the kingdom of God to advance number three anointing also spoke of being commissioned to a specific task by God being commissioned ladies and gentlemen calling and commissioning are two different things God calls you point A he prepares or he commissions you at point C. Point B is preparation. That's why when you get a call, don't jump the gun. When you get a call, stay in the church. Work in the church. If you're an usher, continue being an usher. If you're a counselor, continue. If you're cleaning toilets, continue. If you're opening windows, continue. This is all part of preparation. But there comes a time of commissioning and pointing. Should you jump the gun, so to speak, receive a call and commission and miss this part, you will arrive before the anointing arrives. That's why you would turn around and say, was I called? Why is this thing not working? Why am I facing this and that and that? Because you missed the stage of preparation. Lift up your hands and say, prepare me, Lord. So God calls you and therefore he prepares you point B. He commissions you point C because preparation is necessary. It's called the University of Hard Knocks. That's where therefore you are prepared. Prepared by bosses that are not born again. Prepared by pastors that are tough. Prepared by the world itself. People will prepare you. There is no one who will prepare better a Christian than non-believers. Because they don't believe in what you believe in. <laughs> when you read your Bible during their hours of work, they will fire you. That's preparation. You will know to wake up early and read your Bible early. So preparation, therefore, is very, very important. Anyone who circumvents preparation arrives prematurely. And therefore, when you arrive prematurely, you can implode and explode at the same time. Because you have missed the stage of preparation. Is preparation easy? No, it's not easy. It's very, very difficult. But James 1, 2, 3 says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you go through various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith, it is all part of preparation. So that when then the commissioning stage comes, you are ready, but you still need to rely on God. But preparation does help, ladies and gentlemen. Say amen. amen. You will see it from many men and women of God that underwent preparation. Moses, 40 years in Midian. 40 years. Moses' life is divided into three parts. First 40 years in Egypt. Second 40 years in the desert. Third 40 years emancipating the people of God towards Canaan. But the second 40 years was very difficult for Moses. In Midian, in the desert. A man who was said to be possibly next in line to Pharaoh. Now he is in Midian. He is a shepherd. And he doesn't marry some of these ladies in Egypt. He marries a shepherdess. Smelling of sheep. <laughs> That's preparation. It took 40 years for that man to be prepared. But you see the last 40 years of his life. What a general. <laughs> what a man of God. What an anointed. He needed just to lift up the road so that the waters of the Red Sea will be parted hither and hither. What a man. A cloud of fire by night. A cloud by day just followed him. 
his garments, his shoes, his clothing, regalia never wore out for 40 years. What a miracle. That means as he grew and his feet grew, the shoes grew too. 40 years what they wore kept on being the same. Can you imagine wearing the same suit for 40 years, ladies? Same dress for 40 years? What a miracle from God. It means dry cleaning was in the process too and everything else. It means as they grew stout, the clothes grew too. As their legs and feet grew, as well as the shoes and sandals grew too. What a miracle. But it's all because this man understood preparation. Whatever you do, never circumvent preparation. Preparation is key. But preparation is underground. No one sees you. At times it's hard. Oh, I used to open windows in church. I used to carry some ladies in a bus in church. That's preparation. It's very difficult. They will be gossiping about the pastor. Because you're a young man, you're carrying them. You can't say anything. Preparation. I don't know what your preparation is. Maybe some of you are facing hardships and you have tried to rebuke, you have tried to fast. That thing is not going, hey, understand. It is God who's fixed you there. <laughs> he says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. And oh, ladies and gentlemen, I know one thing with anointing. The greater the assignment, the greater the preparation. It's like a house. If the house has to go seven story high, the foundation must be so deep. So some of you don't copy what your friends are going through because your assignments are different. Say amen. If your assignment is different from your neighbor, you will find that your trials will be different. But James writes and he says, welcome trials. Trials are like breakfast for champions. Don't cry when you're going through trials. Don't cry when there is no money. Don't cry when the ministry is struggling initially. Don't cry. It will be alright sometime. It is the way of God. Don't cry when you preach this Sunday. There are 30 people. You preach well. The next Sunday after preaching well, you have five people. It's all to do with God preparing. Am I talking to a young pastor here today? In the name of Jesus Christ. God will prepare you. He will use everything to prepare you. He will use everything to squeeze you and shape you, to mold you. Until you come to this thing called commissioning. Oh, at commissioning, it's like you are coming up from the shelf. Bishop Sono Simon many years ago. It's like he's taking you out of the shelf and he says, look the product that I have prepared for myself. And he ushers you. Oh, the world will marvel as to who you are and where you are coming from. They will ask, whose son are you? And then you are able to say, Bishop Sono son, all the way from Grace Bible Church, say... Oh, preparation. You see that with Samuel under Eli. You see it with David under Saul. Very difficult preparation. You see it with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was never known by his name. He was known as a man who poured water in the hands of Elijah. But hey, when he came for his commissioning, twice as many miracles as Elijah. Why? Because he went, the disciples, 12 disciples, for three and a half years under Jesus. Preparation. And Timothy and Paul, you will see it all over as God prepares. I want to share with you just one level. There are five levels of anointing that I've written about in my book. But let me give you all five and just zero in on one. And then we close uh, for the next session. Here are the levels of anointing. Number one, anointing of a believer. Write that down. It's a powerful anointing. The anointing of a believer. Number two, the anointing of the house. Each house is an anointing. This house has a peculiar anointing. 
It is its own DNA <laughs> that works for Grace Bible Church. It will work in a unique way. If you are a son in this house, you are tapping into the same anointing. Number three, the anointing of a city. When God gives you a city, with other men and women of God, yes, but you know he's given you the city. When you know the city is yours, you may not talk about it, you may not shout about it, you may not sing about it, but you know. You know that anybody who wants to do anything must really talk to you one way or the other. You hold the keys. You may not shout about it, but God has given you a city. The anointing of a nation, when God gives you a nation, a nation can be given to a man, a woman of God. Are you saying, Bishop, there are no other men? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there are other men, but you know yourself, man, this man has keys to the nation. This man has keys to the nation. Anything that must be done, this man must be consulted. Yeah. Whether politicians, whether ngangas or whatever, they need to consult this person. He has keys. You know the anointing for the nation is upon that person. Oh, but there is what you call international anointing. Say international anointing. Give your neighbor a high five. I know all of you love international anointing. Say international. Some of you don't have passports here. You have never left Soweto ever since you were born. Never since. You have no passport. You don't know what it is to be out of Soweto. Okay, get a passport. If you believe in international anointing, get a passport. You can't die in one small place. It's impossible. Not you. The anointing does not allow you to die in one place. David came from Bethlehem. He ended up being the king of Israel. The anointing by nature is outspreading. Say outspreading. Some of you have never been beyond the borders of South Africa. Shame on you. Shame on you. Look at your neighbor and say shame on you. If someone will say where is, where is Zambia, you will point in a funny place. You will point in Alaska, in Europe and say Zambia is there. Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> if you have no passport you have never left this country to visit another country especially in Africa you are mad you need your head to be examined you need there is something wrong with you are you going just to die knowing Soweto ha look at you they've been saying ha What will you say in heaven when they say this is your brother from Zambia or Zimbabwe? You say, what? Zimba, Zimba, Zaza, Zimbo, so, 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 ro, so, 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 ro, ro. Ah, no. No. <laughs> the world is bigger than South Africa. <laughs> there are many people outside there that you should interact with. So when this international anointing falls upon you, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It allows you to cross borders. It allows people to listen to you, whether they come from Alaska, whether they come from Greenland or Yellowland or Blue Land, whatever land they come from, they will listen to you. The international anointing. Lift up your hands and say, Give me the international anointing. This church is an international church. So the fact that you are here is falling upon you, but you have to prepare for it. In the name of Jesus. But let me zero in. Possibly tonight I will finish this. Let me zero in on just one anointing. Anointing of a believer. First John 2.27 we read it. It reads again. But the anointing which you have received from him. Abides in you. In other words it resides in you. Stays. It is found resident in your life. 
And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. Ladies and gentlemen, let me start by saying this. Every believer has a measure of an anointing in them. But it's up to you to increase that level. It's up to you to increase that believer's anointing. There are many ways of enhancing that anointing. I'll give you them as we close quickly. So you must endeavor to increase your anointing. Say amen. So there are many anointings and most of us limit the anointing to this place here called pulpit. They say the day I get anointed, what I will do behind the pulpit, you are minimizing the anointing. There is an anointing, for example, to be a husband. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I say there is an anointing to be a what? Husband. The moment you come home and say, honey, I am home. You look at her and you feel her shivering. The man has arrived. So there is an anointing to be a husband. There's an anointing to be a wife too. Not a knife, but a wife. I didn't say a knife, but a what? A wife. <laughs> there are many knives, but wife, there are few. An anointing to be a wife. Come on, ladies, lift up your hands and say, that's my anointing. To be a wife. That when this man comes home, things have been hard at work. Things have been hard in industry, wherever he works, or in church. And when he comes home, he looks at you and you say, hello, honey. He feels the power of God coming through. An anointing to be. There's an anointing to be a single mother. (laughs) When that dude left you, he left you with three kids. He said, goodbye, I don't love you anymore. He lives and he finds someone. Or oh, I have a someone that went viral. This is what he, how it goes. Umkogele. Dress up for him. Don't fall apart because some dude has left you. Dress up. Go and buy a, a stiletto as high as this. <laughs> Find a perfume. I don't know what perfume it is. Whether it's a million dollar lady. Or majunwa. And put it on. Go and buy some Brazilian hair and put it on. (laughs) Go and buy some false eyelashes and put them on. Go and buy some false nails and put... Go and buy some false padding. But make sure they are balancing. They are balancing. Don't, don't, Don't make it a point that one is bigger than the other. They will see. Balance them. And go and visit... That guy would come to go and visit him at his place, feeling good on purpose and, and feel good and say, Hey, Joseph, I just passed by. I thought, Joseph, to tell you about how our kids are doing, and you just toss your hair a little bit and, and toss it. Here is how you will see that the anointing is working. If you see his Adam apple going up and down, you know. You know, you know, you know. He will begin to say, hey, Ida, can you please sit down? Say, no, I have no time. I was just coming to tell you. Goodbye, Joseph. And you go. Hey, don't fall apart because somebody has left you. Don't fall apart because somebody has left you. You are anointed. With 27 and a half children, the anointing will still work on you and in your life. In the name of Jesus, say amen. Oh, there's an anointing to be a spinster too. 
Don't fret if a guy has not approached you. It's not a case to be single. Ah, don't panic. Even if you are 40, somebody is meant for you. Maybe after this sermon, someone will look at you. <laughs> they will say, I saw the way you said hallelujah. I loved your fingernails. Hallelujah. And then they will approach you. <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say the anointing. Say it one more time, the anointing. Hey, bachelor, there is an anointing for you too. <laughs> there is an anointing for every bachelor. Get anointed, bachelor, get anointed. This is your time. That lady called Monica who said no to you. Oh, she is regretting already. After this service, after this service, when the anointing is upon you, Monica is going to approach you. <laughs> oh, I see Monica coming your way. <laughs> Though you have no car, she has three cars. She will say yes to you before you propose. She will say, remember what you said seven years ago? I agree. <laughs> I agree with all my heart. Say the anointing. So this is being an anointing for everything. I once took a small survey in our church. I wanted to find out what causes people to come to church, to our church. So <laughs> I wanted to find out. I put several things, preaching, this and that, that department, that department. To my surprise, I thought people would say, we come to church because of your preaching. No. Mine was number last somewhere down. Guess which was number one? Ushering. Ushering. Ushering was causing the growth of the church. They said to me, Bishop, whenever we come as visitors with our children, you usher smile and say, can we carry your child? Can we direct you? Yes, they are firm, but they are very polite and kind. Very firm, but very polite and kind. They say when we are sitting down and our babies are crying, they don't say, get away, get away, no. They come in and say, mom, can you sit down? Can we carry your baby for a while while you listen? And they, they said, we discovered we can stay in this church. People are looking for anointed ashes. Anointed ashes. <laughs> if the head is your head and your hand is your hand, place it over your head. Say, Lord Jesus, anoint me today in a special way. Say it one more time, in a special way. In a unique way. May that, may that grace that anointing be so strong over my life. I thank you, Lord, that with the anointing, I can do exploits. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are now, quickly, in the next five minutes, keys to enhancing your believer's anointing. How do you enhance your believer's anointing? How do you increase it? Here's number one. Ask for more of the Holy Spirit. 
ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verses 11 to 13 says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Verse 12. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Say, take to your neighbor and say, how much more? How much more shall your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to them that are asking. Ask for more. You don't have it because you are not asking. Lift those hands up and say, I'm asking for more. So as you ask, the anointing needs, therefore, to increase in your life. Number two, thirst for the anointing. Thirst for the anointing. John 7, verse 37. Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. John 7, 37. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. Down the line, it reads, this spoke of the Holy Spirit who was not yet given, but to be given. So you have to thirst for him. Thirsting is an emotion that will drive you. In the natural, when you are thirsting for something, you will find water. You will do everything legal to find water. Equally so, when you thirst for the anointing, you go through the pages of the Bible. You will be one that prays. Be one that fasts. And you will find that that anointing begins to increase in your life. Number three, learn to hunger for the anointing. Learn to hunger for the anointing. Matthew 5, verse 6. Matthew 5, 6. It reads, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall, not may, they shall be filled when you hunger for the anointing. To show you the reverse effects of hunger, you just have to look at Saul. Esau rather. Esau sold his birthright because he was hungry. Hunger will cause you to do some crazy things. Equally so, hunger in the positive will drive you at the feet of God. Say amen. Hunger will increase your anointing like nothing can. Number four, learn to be expectant. Acts 2 verse 1. The Bible says of the 120 that were in the upper room for 10 days waiting, tiring, 10 days. Jesus had appeared to them for 40 days. Now it's 10 days, making 50 days. Pentecost. So they were waiting 10 days. They're in the upper room. It says, Acts 2 verse 1, they were all with one accord. One accord in one place. Remember this, they were not sure as to what they were waiting for. They had never seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was the first of its kind. First of his kind to reign on them. So they waited expectantly. Isaiah 40 verse 31 gives us a clue too. It says, and they that wait upon the Lord, only they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. So many times we are too much in a hurry. 
in this dispensation. But they that wait upon the Lord. Waiting, ladies and gentlemen, causes God to pour on you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Number five, learn to be desperate. Learn to be desperate. I have a book, Desperate for God's Presence. Mark 10, 46 to 52. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. This dude was desperate, blind. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. His religious friend said, shush, shush. Very strange that when you are desperate for God, it's your religious friend that stops you. But when your miracle happens, they come and stand with you. We knew it will happen. They are lying to you. Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48 says, then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Anything that causes Jesus to stand still is something that you and I should employ in our lives. Anything that causes the Son of God who had only three years here in life of ministry to stand still and give attention to a blind beggar, find out what it is. This guy was desperate. And he reached out. And he says in verse 40, throwing aside 50, his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. Verse 49 says, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Can you imagine in a crowd they're calling you? Come. Can you imagine that day? Come. And he did. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer. The same people that were saying, shut up. Now they're saying, be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do? The blind man said, Rabon, that I may receive my sight. This man was desperate. He had no way to go. But when he saw Jesus Christ passing by, Christ the anointed one, he said, that I need for my life. And Jesus stood still and the anointing worked for him and he received his sight and blind Bartimaeus rejoiced. There was a man called Zacchaeus in the Bible. The Bible says he was short of stature. Okay. But what he did is yet an influential man. He was a, a SARS man. We call it Zimra at home. He worked for SARS, tax collector. He had to climb a sycamore tree. If a man is climbing a tree to see a woman, you can understand. But if a man climbs a tree to see another man, <laughs> another man, how many men here can climb a tree to see another man? What Zacchaeus did. <laughs> what a unique man of Galilee. Short as he was, he climbed. And as Jesus passed by, something told him, there is somebody up there who is desperate. He looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I will dine with you. Wow. Yay. And finally, number seven, 
Learn to yield your life. Stand, please, church. Learn to yield your life. Stand with us. Thank you. When you yield your life to him as a vessel, he will anoint you. And that when that anointing hits you, not arrogance, courage, but courage will come to you. You will find that the fear that you had dissipates, disappears because the anointing has come. What will cause Bishop Sono to start awake small as it was in many years ago and believe that God will grow awake? Is it natural courage? No way. <laughs> what will cause many men and women of God who start small with two people in a home suddenly believe that something will happen? Is that natural courage? No. No. It is belief and that anointing that when it comes, every door that has been shut will open for you. This work here, Grace Bible Church, is not a function of human strength. No, he wouldn't do it with his human strength. It's a function of the anointing that rests upon you. That's why it will penetrate everywhere, penetrate South Africa, penetrate nations. That's why a simple, ordinary man will be known in nations. Not because of him, because of the grace, the anointing. If this thing called anointing wasn't upon him, I wouldn't know him. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> you wouldn't be here too. But something fell upon him. You may not see it, you may see it, but we all know it's upon him. What causes people to gather on a Friday like this, a working day, <laughs> to gather and come like this? Are you come to see him? I know his hands up, but if you come to see no there is a thing called anointing that attracts that says come here you may rebel and say I don't like that church, but down the line you will come you will be at the altar you may say these charismatics are crazy you will be at the altar one day call the anointing amazing amazing Oh, my cry is that it will fall upon you. Job 8 verse 7. Though your beginning was small. Hey, can I prophesy over someone? Though your beginning was small. Your letter end, your letter end, your letter end shall be far greater. In the anointing you start small. They may laugh at you. You may be in a classroom. <laughs> when they are laughing and saying, ah, oh, yeah. When we started, they used to say, don't rush to be in church at Bishop Nyati's place. Because everybody sits up front. It means that there was, you, you, you wouldn't fail to get a seat. All of us fitted in front row. Oh, though your beginning in business is small, though your beginning bachelor, spinster is small, Though you are alone today like a banana or oh, tomorrow, there will be a dude next to you. There will be somebody next to you. 
The grace of God is amazing. Oh, I see you going far in the things of God. You will not end where you are today. Never, never, never. Not you. Not you in this church. Not you. I refuse. Not you. Not you. Not you. Not you. There is a thing called the anointing of the house. Hopefully we can tackle it tonight. Please lift up your hands as we keep praying. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, your anointing is upon my life. Today, you will cause me to do exploits under the same anointing. The anointing works great things in my life. It works mighty things in this church. Therefore, as a son in this church, I tap into the same anointing. Put your hands together as we welcome Bishop Sonnet today. Thank you. Yay.